Welcome back to another episode of Cross and Crown Radio, an unapologetically Christian Reconstructionist talk show for your edification and enjoyment. Jesus is king, there's no neutrality, no exile, and no surrender. How are we doing, Jason? I'm all right, John. How are you today? I'm doing great. Obviously, this is Jason. This is John. And uh, this is another episode of Cross and Crown Radio. Thanks for being with us again. Yeah. What have you been up to? Thanks for joining us. Um, Man, you know, you had mentioned that I was gone last week. We didn't have an episode last week. Yeah. And uh, um, I, I technically wasn't on vacation. So, oh, just you to weren't? Be clear, oh, no, whatever. We, yeah. uh, we went down to Nashville for a health freedom event and got to meet some really cool people, uh, some people who love Jesus, who love uh, liberty and, and justice for all. And uh, so it was nice to, to meet them and talk with them. Uh, one of them, Ty and Charlene Bollinger, they put on the event, and they endorsed the book that we're going to talk about tonight. Oh, great. And it was nice to talk to them, and I appreciate their work, The Truth About Cancer, The Truth About Vaccines. They've done a tremendous amount of research, and they have a DVD series on that. And um, so anyway, that it was good. It was good to be there with them and <laughs> meet some new people and like-minded people. So Awesome. I'm that glad sounds to be fun. back. Yeah. I haven't really been doing a lot. I've just been working. Working. <laughs> working. I didn't really do anything for Halloween. Did you do anything for Halloween? Uh, no. Did you dress up? Well, actually, okay, so technically, no, we didn't dress up. You didn't dress up, okay. No, but Saturday, the rally was Friday. Saturday, we went downtown Na- to Nashville and checked, you know, we like country music. We're those types of people. Sure. And it was fun to see all the bars and the restaurants, and we just walked around with the kids, and it was a quite a scene. Every single restaurant and bar on Broadway Street there had a band playing at 10 a.m. That's actually pretty cool. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, like competing noise, you know, oh, I bet. from bar to bar, restaurant to restaurant. So yeah, but that it sounds was, like fun. Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah. Uh, last year we actually had an episode on Halloween, and it's really good, and we encourage you to go look that up. I might even link it in the show notes, yeah. but. Uh, very, very interesting episode about Christianity and Halloween and how it's not actually uh, all that opposed to one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely listen to that. And uh, yeah, just a reminder, you guys can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms, iTunes, Google, Spotify, Amazon Music. We are there. That's right. But we're being hosted somewhere else this year. Yeah, that's right. We are in Lambs Rain now. Uh, so we are with Lambs Rain Media at lambsrain.com. And you can find us at lambsrain.com slash CCR. Had to, had to remember what we're CCR. called yeah. for a minute there. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, we are now partnered with them. There's lots of articles, blogs. Uh, our podcast is on there as well. And um, yeah, it's really great. And if you like what we're doing, if you want to uh, see us continue doing what we're doing and you support what we're doing, uh, feel free to throw some bucks our way. It's just uh, lambsrain.com slash support. And we'd really appreciate that. You can give reoccurringly or you can give uh, one time. It's really easy. And uh, yeah, we'd appreciate it for sure. Definitely. We're getting into the holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Uh, people are generally uh, generous in that time of year, so they, yeah. they people like to prove how much you love Jesus. Yeah, by sending us money. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> and that, it, that's and terrible. It, no. Yeah. No, no, it's all right. They understand we're kidding. Yeah, but no, really. If you do feel that in your prayers and giving, don't forget about us. We really, really appreciate that Absolutely. as we continue to expand our reach and, and grow this show and and just try to improve. We like to try to improve everything. So yeah, we want to do it well. For sure. We don't want to just kind of halfway do it. So All things for Jesus, definitely. All right. Well, we're later we're going to talk about Lecrae. Yeah. So the controversial 
tweet of all things. That's right. That's right. And we were talking about his uh, recent controversial tweet about abortion. And we might have a couple of kind of closing thoughts on the 2020 election. Uh, but first, let's talk about your book a little bit more. It's really exciting. Yeah. You have a few books published now. Um, you're building yourself a little bit of a library. It's yeah. pretty impressive. I haven't done a magnum opus yet. You know, that that like 900 page. But you, you can always do that later. Worldview book. Yeah. I'd like to someday. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of the tenets and the pillars of Christian reconstruction and mm-hmm. really dive into it. I, I think of Joe Boots, The Mission of God. It's a very thick book. covers a lot. Someday, Lord willing, I'd like to you could do it. tackle that. I I'd read so. it. I think. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's encouraging I'd read to it. motivate me. You give me a free copy, I'll read it. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> oh, I will give you a free copy. Okay, I already did sure, it, sure. this one. Yeah, yeah. The books, the books out now. Health for all of life, a medical manifesto of hope and healing. For I really nations. like that cover too. Yeah, my brother Brett and his company. By the way, if you want design work, uh, I know you dabble in design, and he does it. Uh, as well, Red Red Bag Media is the name of his company, redbagmedia.com. Told him I wanted to plug that in case he helps churches, especially churches who are looking to help hone in on their visual arts. And uh, he yeah. does a, he does good work. He's he's helped with all of our stuff from time to time. And that's right. Yeah, he's done so, he's done some good stuff for sure. Yeah. So why why did you choose to write this book out of all books? Yeah. <laughs> You know, the answer is, well, the, it chose me. Oh, uh-huh. okay. I don't want to give too much away because I do explain it in the preface of the book. But honestly, John, like I, 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 so last September I preached a sermon on vaccines and I was trying to tackle the worldview behind that. And as I did that, I realized, man, there's more here. Mm. You know, there's never more, there's more than what meets the eye when you think about the Gnostic roots of, of, uh, science and how it's been commandeered from science was a christian thing right it it came about because of christians and then it kind of got commandeered by gnostic alchemy you know proponents and and people who don't love jesus and don't honor his law so even even that much requires more explanation yes because <laughs> i'm i i know what you're saying but i think a lot of people are like what yeah. is he talking about and so read the book yeah. first of all yeah read the book but i regarding the vaccine sermon though that i really only touched on it. and i got into the some of the science of it because it's always intrigued me science just in general has intrigued me uh so out of that book i just felt this gnawing thing like i really want to write something more expansive and do more research on it and the opportunity came to to do to write the book and so again yeah. I don't want to let too much because the story is kind of cool in God's providence and you can read it in the preface so I won't I don't want to say anything else on that sure, but sure. but that was really the big motivation for for writing it that's awesome uh, what does it cover exactly I know it's generally about health but well th- interestingly enough so there the first half of the book is about orthodoxy and theology what is two chapters the King Jesus gospel and then healing the nations. So connecting the dots between we have to have this big view of the gospel because it's big, you know, it has cosmic ramifications. And and so getting that theology straight so that we can even talk about what it is we need to talk about uh, regarding, you know, the second half of the book, once you have that theology in place, then you can kind of go into it later. So the second half is just um, orthopraxy and practice. What is it? What are the rhythms of health? What does it look like to be a healthy person uh, who avoids certain things or who um, invests in certain things? So the three Trinitarian, um, the 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 three Trinitarian things for health are energize, detox, detoxify, and um, nutrify. 
So okay. those kind of like a triad, if you will, a trinity, the three-legged stool of, of, of health. And so that's, that's just kind of a broad thing. I have four appendices at the end, too. Um, a lot of it's connected with the website healthforalloflife.com. Uh, lots of information, lots of people to learn from. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of good resources there because people generally, you know, you don't always remember. Do you remember much from fifth grade on science and um, anatomy? Probably not a lot. <laughs> I know I, maybe some of the basics. Yeah. Yeah. But to, I was publicly educated, so that's what I'll blame it on. <laughs> yeah, it's not my fault. Yes. Abolish government schools. Yeah. Hashtag. Thanks, Obama. Yeah. Th- <laughs> thanks, Obama yeah. and Bush and everybody before him. And everybody else. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, but uh, I heard yeah. that your book actually got some pretty cool recommendations and uh, yeah. endorsements, like from pretty wide like breadth of people. Yeah, yeah. I I got a great endorsement from Doctor Sunday at Elijah, who's the pastor of Embassy of God in Kiev, Ukraine. Uh, the biggest isn't, isn't that like the biggest church in Ukraine? Yeah. Big, big Ukraine, biggest church yeah. in Europe. In Europe. Yeah. Okay. So, wow. So I yeah. That, yeah. It's quite a bit more than I was thinking. Yeah. He he read the read the manuscript. In fact, I. I had a great email exchange with them, uh, messenger exchange actually, and he said, "Hey, you know, I just I, I think he stayed up most of the night and just read read it straight through and wow. just really lo- loved it." And I I was so totally humbled by that. I didn't expect that type of reaction, but he was really um, glad to have had it and read it. So that was that was neat. And Vishal Mangalwadi, he wrote the book the book that made your world Christian worldview. Um, he's an Indian philosopher, theologian. Lots of lots of great material from him. Probably as kind of a wide swath of people. Uh, I had Dr. Rhett Bergeron, who's more subscribes to our worldview. He's an MD, uh, the medical director at Real Health Atlanta, Real Health Medical, I think it's called in Atlanta, Georgia. And okay. he read it. And a funny thing, he said, "Man." I've been praying for 10 years for something like this. So (laughs) that was humbling, too, to have a medical doctor, credentialed, board certified, everything. And he read it and thought, this is really helpful. So that's humbling. Uh, Also, um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., big name. A Kennedy. Controversial. You know, the Kennedys (laughs) and their politics. Sure. Controversial. Um, but I, I was invited by um, Mr. Kennedy. I'll call him Bobby. We're on a first name basis now. Yeah. But I was invited by Bobby to be a part of the Children's Health Defense uh, Board in terms of clerical advisory board. I don't know of another Reformed pastor on there. So that, that's, that's pretty, cool. pretty neat. Yeah. So he gave me a great quote for the book. Uh, Mary Holland is the vice chair of the Children's Health Defense. I've met her. Uh, wonderful woman, sweet lady. She's a fighter, that's for sure. Um, so a lot of different endorsements from different people, pastors and authors and doctors. And so I, I'm, you know, really happy to have that ty- type of feedback. I even, you know, driving here tonight, I thought, man, this is, this is really humbling because you, you work so hard, 10 months on it and then it's done. And then you think, oh, is this even good? <laughs> is this even <laughs> a little bit of the imposter syndrome? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Did I, I don't think that's true though. Yeah. Well, getting feedback like that, Oh man, it's re- it's it's encouraging. Yeah. Sometimes we need that encouragement. Yes, I think we all do. Yep. But obviously, yeah. I think your book is saying something different than what most books on similar subjects are saying. So, what would be some of those like theological or ideological points that are really like different from your book than say random other Christian book on health? Mm. Well, for one, taking the presuppositions of our worldview, what we believe is Christian Reconstructionists, presuppositionalism. Um, not many books get into that. They, you know, presup is kind of a a niche, you know, a niche uh, yeah. market, if you will, or, or or a discipline maybe. 
So I, you know, getting into the presuppositions behind the allopathic model of medicine today, which we'll, I'm sure, to get into, but um, it's different in that regard. Obviously, a post-millennial vision. I mean, hope and healing for the nations. It's in the subtitle. I really want to. I want the nations to be healed, and and for us as post-millennialists, we don't think that that's just sort of a magic wand you wave. No, we people should be healthy, should be happy, should be joyful. Uh, it's the joy of the Lord is our strength. So we want those types of things to be ever present in people as well. So I, I would say those are some of the reasons why it would stand out more yeah. than your average health book. Well, that, that makes sense. There seems to be a lot of problems in the modern med- medical industry. Do, do you see the church addressing hardly any of these problems? Or if they do address any of these problems, like how well do they do? Not Not well. I mean, Lately, especially with the COVID stuff, you have pastors who are just praying, God, we need a vaccine and we need it fast. Well, uh, hold on, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a whistleblower here. <laughs> the whole idea of a vaccine is concerning, you know, it's a modern invention. It's not been around very long. So I, I have some concerns about that anyway, and especially what goes into it. I'm sure you've seen some of the COVID testing. Oh, uh, yeah. A p- person had died. A few were severely injured because of it. So... Hang on, you know, we're trying to rush vaccines take several years to even make it to market through mm-hmm. testing. And now we're suddenly gonna, you know, snap our fingers and get it to the market. So yeah, pastors they don't usually talk about it. Well, it's an incredibly and I think this kind of goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway, it's an incredibly divisive issue. And mm-hmm. a lot of people have a lot of strong emotions about things like vaccines or different medical theories. So what would you say as a pastor and as a writer, some of the do's or don'ts as you kind of seek to mm-hmm. talk about these problems? Well, definitely do talk about them. At I least think. talk about <laughs> yeah. them, right? At least talk do about them. Do and be patient, of course. I think it just generally any discourse in, in a church should be charitable, should be humble, um, and most doubt being, uh, most definitely being um, with an attitude of, hey, this is my brother in Christ, this is my sister in Christ, not my enemy. So I, we may have a different perspective, but also realizing that in, to some degree they are secondary issues. Right. Just because it's secondary doesn't mean it's not important. Right. But we wouldn't say, like, your opinion on vaccines is a test of orthodoxy. And yeah, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, now, when you talk about the aborted fetal cell issues in vaccination, now it becomes even more of a moral pressing issue. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm going to be patient with that person who may just not know. The church hasn't taught on it, so yes. how would you expect them to? Exactly. Exactly. Same thing yeah. with public school education. Yeah. Oh, if, you know, if you're a public school proponent and you can you come to Crossing Crown? Well, or yeah. Birth but, control, you know, different kinds. Yeah. yeah, there's lots of issues. You're going to feel uncomfortable, yeah. maybe, because we are espousing a worldview that at the very least, you're going to have to at least look into it. Yeah. You're going to have to research. You're going to have to be um, intelligent about it. So do, do that. <laughs> be participants in conversations. But at the end of the day, uh, I think there are some... Uh, weaker brother issues maybe that we'd have to, to talk through. And there's definitely uh, concerns about uh, this kind of finger waving and shaming of someone. Oh, well you do that or you don't sure. do this. And it's something that I would hope that someday, you know, major denominations, especially reformed groups would be struggling with and wrestling with and hopefully coming to good conclusions, mm-hmm. but they're not even dealing with it right now. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah, and, and most people don't know, 1910, everything changed with the Flexner Report. Abraham Flexner was commissioned by the Carnegies and the Rockefellers and through the vehicle of the American Medical Association, and they changed the landscape. There were several hundred um, naturopathic schools in America, and they basically squashed it. And the report was an, 
based on, you know, Rockefellers and, and the Carnegies are big oil people, and they essentially funded this whole thing. And this is not, by the way, conspiracy theory. This is objective historical kind of documented fact. Things, it's yeah. well known. This is not, I'm not reaching at all. Um, but everything shifted and everything changed. So why do we have the allopathic medicine model, which is reductionistic today, where you're viewed as basically highly evolved? Yeah. So you you know if if you're um, if you're um, more of a mechanistic person and you have, for example, a gallbladder problem, you have gallstones. So now today it's just we'll just get your gallbladder out. Well, you're not an evolutionary machine. There's something causing that. What's causing it? Probably a nutrition issue. There's several things. So don't treat it as if you're an evolved piece of goo. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> treat you know think presuppositionally. Think think who does God made me to be? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God's created me for his glory. I, I'm I, I serve a purpose in his kingdom, that sort of thing. Right. Start with those presuppositions and then you start to approach the whole medicine thing differently. What you were just saying, you know, I'm creating the image of God, I'm for his glory. It kind of reminds me of the prosperity gospel a little bit. I'm not saying you're saying <laughs> yeah. that, but you have a book written by a Christian, obviously from a Christian point of view, talking about health. So how do you avoid those health, wealth, prosperity, gospel pitfalls? Well, the short answer, and for people familiar with us and our language, <laughs> they'll know what we we're talking about. And our friend Jordan has written some great stuff on the prosperity gospel, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's on Lamb's Reign, actually. Mm -hmm. If yeah. it's not, we'll get it uh, We'll get it there. Look up uh, poverty gospel and prosperity yeah, yes, gospel. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, how do you avoid it? Well, it's strict. you have to think covenantally. So when I wrote the second chapter on healing the nations and that grand vision of Revelation, and, and Ezekiel speaks of it too, and we know the, you know the last, what is it, six chapters of Isaiah are all about this new creation language. So there's healing that's coming to the world, but it's coming in a covenantal way. Yeah. Not just... It's not individualistic. Right. It's not a, the cosmic um, you know, like lottery machine or whatever you would call it. Yeah. yeah. Or wave the magic wand. And yeah, exactly. Voila, everything will be it's better. It's a magical spell or an incantation. Yeah. And we're not going to get... God has you know, different uh, indicators of faithfulness and promises that he gives his people. Right. And um, some of those promises would include material things. Mm-hmm. Deuteronomy 28 is just a classic, classic text that we have to know. God gives historical sanctions. He gives historical feedback. He lets us know how things are going or not going, as it were. In fact, in chapter 2, I do mention the prosperity gospel, because there's a difference between Jesus being our vending machine where if, yeah, you know, yeah. versus Jesus being our Father who gives good gifts. Right. There's a big difference. But covenantally, we can expect to be blessed if certain things are in place. That's mm -hmm. the first 14 verses of Deuteronomy 28. But if things go bad, verses 15 through, is it 50, 58, mm -hmm. um, is our curses. Everything from economic devastation, agricultural devastation, everything goes sideways when we don't yeah. honor the Lord. And then the rain will fall on the wicked and the holy alike, mm -hmm. um, both. And it's not a guarantee that if you do X, Y, Z, things will go well for you. Mm -hmm. But I would say, normatively speaking, God, you know, blesses hard work and yeah. faithfulness and doing things properly and being healthy. And I think you can kind of see that very plainly. It's a pretty simple cause and effect relationship, um, as well as God's sovereign hand over things. Reaping what you sow. Yeah. 
uh, you mentioned the conspiracy theories mm-hmm. <laughs> while you're denying it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But h- how do you deal with balancing some of these like Western ideas of medicine that I think a lot of those ideas are right? Just coming from me personally, I don't. I think most of it, or not only, I don't know about most of it. A lot of it's right, uh, but how do you weigh throwing all that out mm-hmm. versus some mm-hmm. of these other ideas that you would say are more uh, biblically sound or uh, just based in reality? Yeah, chapter three, uh, health, sickness, and sorting out the mess. That is, I I want to do a hat tip to modern medicine and modern technology because we're post millennial, and I think that there's a balance between. What are we, are we advancing something that will, because I'm not so, I mean, look, I think we should be living longer, and I think God will do that as history unfolds. Yeah. That's sort of the Isaiah promise of of of, of longevity and age and health and so on. So I, I a, know that that's there. It's a picture of undoing the curse. It's not mm-hmm. undoing the curse fully, but it's a picture right. of that. Yeah. Gradually. Gradually. Uh, mustard seed gradualism, we could call it. But... So I don't want to throw everything out, by the way. So I, I do think that, tra- you think of trauma situations, like the craziest things. A guy falls at the work site, you know, he's a, c- a construction worker, and he has a beam stuck through his leg, <laughs> you know, and they're able to go in there and treat it. And that's amazing. So there are things we should we should celebrate. Oh, yeah. You, you know, dental care now versus 500 years ago. Good grief. Everything's, you know... I, there are still some problems, but I think we can kind of balance this idea of progressing towards a God-honoring future so with technology. what you're saying is you're replacing all of Western medicine with, like, crystals and, like, smoke and mirrors. <laughs> like, no. 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 Okay, I'm just making sure no. you're not, you're not no. playing with rocks well, or... But the other thing, yeah. though, I, w- I would say is Western medicine, if we... if Post nineteen ten is when a lot of things changes. That's when you started to see more synthetic drugs come on the market. You yeah. didn't, you didn't have that before. You had herbal, herbal medicine, chiropractic care. Those things were really central to healing. And and then of course the AMA decided to call all the chiropractors quacks. And well, it seems like some of this, some of these problems are in part caused by government interference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. Which I think you, you'll probably be talking about in the book. So that's not necessarily. <laughs> yeah healthcare related, but it's that statism infects everything. It does. So when you're not able to say, sue a pharmaceutical company is because they're protected by, uh, against class action lawsuits right. or, uh, you know, I, I, the, the list goes on and on. You don't even have the ability to have market competitors in the field. Yeah. There's nothing. And I think that's a, that's a problem. Like yeah. whatever is true, there should be market competitors. Yes. Yep. Resisting state-controlled medicine is Appendix Two. <laughs> so, oh, very good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and and the, but the idea behind that is pretty much what you said. I mean, you could, I even say it in the book. You, you could put anything in there. Resisting state-controlled government schools or resisting yeah. state-controlled anything in the free market economy that we espouse. Mm. And so, whenever the government gets his grubby hands on something like mm-hmm. medicine, you brought up. 1986, Reagan signed in the Protection Act with regard to vaccine liability. Good old Ronald Reagan. So, I mean, now there's a product on the market that people are talking about forcing on you, like a COVID vaccine. That's what the health commissioner of Virginia said. There's no liability if something goes bad. There's a sick irony that the president that's most known for being the drug warrior 
Hmm. is also the president that has gotten us addicted to all of these pharmaceuticals. (laughs) Uh, There's something Mm -hmm. really sick and twisted about that. I I think there's also something to be said about just academic humility and how there's been these different paradigm shifts and how we view science and how we view medicine over the years, and we don't see it coming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then it shifts radically. It doesn't mean we throw out all of the past paradigm, of course, but there are these major paradigm shifts that happen, and um, we shouldn't think everything is perfectly settled all the time. And look what you see it on TV. Oh, everybody sees it on TV all the time when they're not seeing p- political commercials, which will come to an end soon. But thank goodness. The question is, hey, <laughs> you know, GlaxoSmithKline will put out this new, or Pfizer or some big company will put out this new drug, and and it's almost laughable now. You know, if you take this and you start to, you know, lose your eyesight, stop and go see a doctor. There's these laundry lists of side effects, <laughs> which they're there because they are disclosing what happened in the trials with various people. But you're allowed to sit in your couch. It's like a free shopping. It's a like QVC. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I do feel like I have these weird headaches. I should try that drug. And it, so we're like shopping at home. They're, they're just pulling you in and they spend billions and billions and billions of dollars And it seems like they're, tr- it. they're treating the symptoms and not actually what's causing it. Exactly. Okay. And that's yeah. exactly what I cover in the book. You're covering and masking symptoms when the reality is you need to deal with the core issues. So the book is very scientific. I read probably somewhere between 4,500 and 5,000 pages mm-hmm. of natural doctors citing them and watched lots of lectures just to immerse myself in it. And I tried to just put it down into a simple 250-page well, you know, book. You are a doctor, um, <laughs> n- not a medical doctor. Not a medical doctor. <laughs> All the no. lawyers. No. But yeah, that, that's really awesome. And um, we already know from you know our, our viewers and listeners uh, who have been with us for a long time already know that Jason is a highly sought-after speaker. Uh, but now he's going to be a highly uh, sought-after uh, author. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> what would you hope your you know, this book would, uh, what kind of impact would you hope that it would have? Look, as a post-millennialist, is th- my prayer is that the nations would be healed. Yeah. I mean, that's what I want. I'm going to take some over to Zambia. I'm going to try to get these this into the hands of different uh, ministers of health. Oh, yeah. And people and say, look, don't, don't just buy the Western model hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are advances. There's a lot of U initiatives yeah. that are pushing... A mm-hmm. lot of UN initiatives mm-hmm. um, in that area. They're pushing yeah. abortion like yeah, crazy. Absolutely. And again, under the auspice of it's healthcare. Right. <laughs> Which we're going to come talk about later, I'm sure. But this is, yeah, that's my hope. I hope it has a, a great impact in that regard and that, that nations can be healed, that people, truthfully, that people will read it and, and just say, okay, like I can make some changes that I think may be helpful because we should be living long. We want to fulfill the Great Commission. We want to pursue the dominion covenant and and if we if we get this piece to that puzzle in play then i think we're all we're all better for it that's awesome and just like so many other issues we believe that the bible speaks on this yeah we believe that a a holistic full-orbed christian worldview does speak about healthcare every bit as much as it speaks about education or economics or soteriology. Mm-hmm. It speaks on all of these things. And I should say one more thing. I have to give a huge shout out to to Martin Salbridi. Oh, yeah. Who wrote the foreword for the book. Martin Salbridi, and, uh, vice president of the Chalcedon uh, Foundation. That's the guy. He's, uh, yeah, and he's a resident scholar at the Chalcedon Foundation. He also is an editor of Faith for All of Life, Arise and Build, and the Chalcedon Report, supervising editor, Journal of Christian Liberty, Martin wrote an awesome forward 
Oh, that's in, awesome. In our exchange. Martin is a scholar and a gentleman. Oh, 100%. He, he and I were synced up on this, and he read the manuscript, and he gave me a little bit of an idea what he wanted to do. And Martin's just, he's brilliant. So he's, yeah. he pulls some history and just really, he said, I really wanted to, you know, bolster the book and mm-hmm. help the book. And I thought, man, you did it. So I think, I think Martin sent me like 20 or 30 of these books up here. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Martin's a great guy. Yes. Yeah. We love you. So thank you, Martin, if you're listening uh, for, for writing that I'm, I'm humbled and honored and thank you for, for doing it. That's awesome. So, yeah. so health for all of life, check it out. It's on Amazon. Very cool. And you can get it in iBooks, Kindle, all the stuff. We got to get it on PDF up on the We need an audiobook eventually. Yeah. Yeah, we have these fancy mics. Get after it. All right. Get on, <laughs> I'll get on it soon. <laughs> so, Lecrae. Yeah, let's talk about Lecrae. He's in the Christian news lines again. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, it's kind of funny because Lecrae, he put out a tweet. And. Why is oh, it? how fires start with yeah. a tweet? Well, I mean, yeah. just think of Donald Trump's tweets, and all of a sudden the mainstream media is talking about it. It's <laughs> it's it's actually hilarious. Um, but but it is a tweet. So what did this tweet say? Okay, so I'll I'll go ahead and put it up for our viewers. But uh, Lecrae, which is at Lecrae on the Twitter, he's verified, so he has a check mark. Oh, fancy, he is. So. Okay, cool. He says, what if the Christians who want to reduce the number of abortions, supported funding health care for women, dealt with the systemic racism that creates poverty for women of color, and addressed the income gap between white people and people of color? Hmm. <laughs> all right. So he obviously <laughs> covers a few things in this. Um, first of all, he's speaking to Christians who want to reduce abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's talking about funding healthcare for women, systemic racism that creates poverty specifically for women of color. Uh, he's talking about the income gap between white people and black people, which presumably is part of that systemic racism. Yeah. Uh, so he's covering a lot in this one tweet. And by the way, you just said it in this one tweet. I don't know if he said anything else. I didn't actually go back and look. Yeah. But we want to be charitable. The limitations of Twitter. <laughs> the, the the media, uh, social media is is difficult. Uh, you can't say everything in. Well, now it's two hundred and eighty characters. They I doubled don't, it. I, I don't think. even I don't know. know. Yeah. They doubled it a few years ago. I'll get on Twitter and be really active for a week and then not touch it for yeah. six months. So. I don't love it. Some people yeah. love it more than Facebook. I don't know. Does anyway. it make me old that I prefer Facebook? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. But it is a tweet, so we're trying to be charitable here because you can't say everything. You know, Tim Keller sends out a tweet, and then all of a sudden, the very next tweet is, "Guys, relax." I could, you know, he's always having to defend himself, and so I'm. I don't want to attack Lecrae. Yeah, as if we if, sat down with a Tim Keller or a Lecrae, we might be on more of the same page than we think. I think so. Perhaps yeah. we we want to hope so. Share but this, we, but we still need to deal with some of the implications. Of yeah. This. yeah, yeah. So share this with Lecrae if y'all want to, and. Sure. Maybe we can talk about it. With yeah, them. we'll have him on the show. That'd, That'd be, be fun. Yeah, yeah, I'd love that actually. But so what? What? what, what <laughs> but we still have off. problems. Yeah, right? it falls off the rails. You, you you can't say everything, but you can say something. Some things are somewhat implied, or we could take it one way or the other way. So as we speak about this, just keep in mind that we're not necessarily saying Lecrae is guilty of this, uh, but it does seem to be implied, and a lot of people are taking it that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. So with all that said. He talks about what if Christians who want to reduce the number of abortions. Okay, well, we can talk about this more in a minute, but we're actually Christians who want to end abortion, who want abolish to abolish it. abortion. Gone. So we're not really those people, but we, we still feel that the tweet is probably directed towards us because I think the whole context of this tweet is what if we do 
this instead. Mm-hmm. So what is the the inverse? Like what is the what is he contrasting? And we're we want again to be charitable, but it seems like uh, most likely what he's contrasting are Christians who are trying to legally regulate abortion or end abortion. Pro lifers, pro lifers, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, on the one side, the, yes, which is the general, I think, pulse. Wouldn't you say of Christendom? I mean, oh, if you're just some <laughs> random Christian person who might not have their finger on the pulse of hardcore abortion activism, yeah, then yeah, the standard pro life views. We just heartbeat bill. We need to get it. We need to reduce the number. Reduce the number. No partial birth abortions. But, you know, if it's, you know, conceived in rape, we'll talk about it. 10 weeks along, whatever. Yeah, that kind of thing. Maybe apathetic about it. Or it's not ideal, but we'll take what we can get. For example. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Rape, incest. Uh, But one more thing I was going to say on that Christians who want to reduce the number of abortions, I think that that's where the hand is tipped towards an incrementalist view. Absolutely. Which we would reject, abolition101.com, go there. Uh, So incrementalism is a problem because it compromises not only the end. I mean, the end is, yeah, we want to abolish abortion, but that's the ethic that is the whole thing, not just the middle. (laughs) Everything is heading that way. So we should act like that's what we want, not, not act like that and expect it. We're not saying that there aren't means to the end. We're saying that your means shouldn't betray the end. Correct. Um, That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So, anywho, um, we actually also have a problem with Christians who want to reduce abortions. Um, However, (laughs) we also have some issues with some of the things Lecrae said. Mm -hmm. He goes on and he says, supported funding health care for women. So, to be honest, Lecrae, this is usually code for funding birth control specifically funding hormonal forms of pharmaceutical birth controls that are at the very least at the very least have a high potentiality for being an abortifacient. So back to the pharmacy. <laughs> back to the pharmacy, right? So we're dealing with and I don't think we have an entire episode on this, but we are dealing with pharmaceuticals that have the potential for causing abortion. So the problem is, is that you have these pharmaceuticals, and a lot of them have a high potential for being abortifacient. So we have the famous one, which is the pill, and the primary method that it works isn't typically abortifacient, but it has a secondary method. And this secondary method is literally listed on all the paperwork. So it is a real thing. It's a thing that they emit. They just don't call it abortifacient. And what it does is it actually can prevent the embryo from attaching to the uterine wall. So it prevents that implantation, and it therefore kills a human child that has already been fertilized. Same same problem, same idea with regard to in vitro fertilization. Yeah, a lot of so, the same problems. Sperm, egg, together, child. Image bearer, made in God's image. Yeah. So preventing that advancement of life... Ends that life. That's and it ends it. Yeah, and a lot of these hormonal birth control methods, uh, pharmaceutical hormonal birth control methods, work in a very similar way, uh, just to different degrees and different ways. But they still have that secondary cause of prevention that is actually not prevention; it's abortifacient. Yeah. So uh, this is an issue because a lot of times people, and typically people on the left, to be very fair, uh, to be very open about that. People on the left talk about how they would like to reduce abortion by providing more birth control. But the birth control they're talking about causes abortion. So we have seen different stats over the years, and I've written an entire article on that that I can I can link to. We've seen a lot of these stats about abortion, about how abortion has steadily decreased for years. 
And a lot of this steady decrease has been very much correlated with the increase of the popularity of abortive fashion birth control methods. So you have on one hand a decreased amount of pregnancies being reported. And then you also have an increased amount of abortive fashion birth control usage. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that pregnancy rates are probably about the same, but those pregnancies are being aborted and not actually labeled as abortion. When we were at George Mason University last year, before COVID, toward the end of last year, they were starting to install vending machines with this stuff in it. It's a huge problem. Yeah. It's it's, it's just everywhere. it's a very huge problem as far as even tracking these things because people would ask us like, "Well, how can I prove that abortion numbers aren't decreasing?" Well, it's very difficult. And I'll be very upfront. I would like to be able to prove mm-hmm. that statistically, but it's very hard because a lot of these methods are being sold over the counter or being sold without a prescription. Um and, and so that makes it dang near impossible to track it. And also to be again to be perfectly transparent, this is potentially abortive fashion. It doesn't mean every pill used causes an abortion. So you have all these different factors that makes it very complex. But at the same time, we're dealing with millions of these pills being sold. Mm -hmm. And it's Russian roulette for the child. So even if we give very, very, uh, I would say, conservative estimates, a conservative percentage of pills sold actually being uh, connected to an abortion. If we're very conservative, we're still dealing with an astronomical amount of abortions. Mm. Yeah. It's it, a huge problem. And they make so much money on this stuff. The pharmaceutical companies are raking it in. I don't think people realize how much they make. Vaccines, these types of uh, yeah. pills, I mean, it's insane. This billions is and exactly, billions and billions. This is exactly how the devil works. Mm-hmm. And this is a hugely serious topic, is that there is this rhetoric within the pro-life movement that we're shutting down these abortion clinics and there's reductions in um, surgical abortions and they'll show you their stats and their pie charts and what all the, all these things while at the same time abortions are continuing, but those abortions don't look like the bloody images that you would see on an anti-abortion sign or an AHA sign or an OSA sign. They don't look like that because it's so small at that point. You might have a tiny, tiny blood spotting, maybe, So this is exactly how the devil works, is that he's taking something so heinous as the murder of innocent image bearers of God, and he's making it look more sanitized. Hmm. He's making it look cleaner. He's taking it away from the big, ugly Planned Parenthood abortion clinic, and he's taking it and putting it into your bathroom or your house. College dorm. Every CVS, every Walmart, every Walgreens, every Target. How are we going to stand outside all of those places? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And so the, the, the whole fight is shifting towards these kind of methods. Uh, technology is getting better where we're actually able to detect pregnancies earlier and earlier. And so all of these things are moving to the point where abortion, yes, it is being combated. Yes, it's being re- regulated to a point. But that's actually not equating with reduced abortion numbers. Gotcha. We had to ask yeah, that makes why. Sense. We had to ask yeah. why that's the case. So when to kind of bring it back to this, um, Lecrae, Lecrae, when he's saying we need to reduce the number of abortions by supporting funding healthcare for women, I really had to ask, what do you mean by that? What is what funding? Because you, if you're talking about more expansive stuff with regard to socialized medicine, right? No. Yeah. So we have different <laughs> things going on here, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, if he's talking at all about birth control. If he's talking about pretty much anything but barrier methods, like condoms, right? 
if he's talking about anything hormonal, he has a huge problem of literally suggesting that the solution to abortion is a different kind of abortion. That's exactly it. And we have to be very plain about this, is that Lecrae's answer to abortion in this tweet seems to be a different kind of abortion. Um, and I have a, a problem with that. And what are we talking about? Healthcare. What, are all these women who are getting pregnant, do they have pieces of pipe lodging from their leg, to use the, what we were talking about earlier? Yeah. And what what healthcare? What is specific to women, right? Yeah. And that, that's kind of where I'm like, oh, usually birth control. Well, you know, do we, do we need free ultrasounds? Well, good grief. There are tons of places who will give you free ultrasounds. Sure. Is that what you're looking for? Lots of ministries will do that. But that's not... People who want to kill their child are going to kill their child. Yeah. Whether or not they have access to these things, especially now, like you said earlier, it's getting more and more convenient. Yeah. You just stop at the Target, walk out, take your pill. It's also becoming safer for the women. Obviously, we don't want any woman to die during a surgery, but, I mean, it's becoming cleaner, safer, more convenient. It's going to it's be... exactly how Satan works. It's ubiquitous in all senses of the word. It's just, it's yeah. everywhere. So you're right. How, do we, how, do, how does the church challenge that. Yeah. Well, and then we have the issue of he wants it funded and, and we, we assume he means governmentally funded. Um, of course we can be charitable, but there's also to the point where being so charitable that you're being a bit ridiculous. Mm-hmm. We know that he's talking about government funding. He's not talking about the church funding it or private organizations funding it. Um, is he funding it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not very wealthy, but maybe Lecrae could fund it. Um, so we have the, the issue of statism here. We have the issue of whatever good kind of health care that people would actually need. It's not including things that are potentially abortion. Hmm. That should be provided by the church, by the people of God. If they're, if people are not actually able to pay for their own health care, then the church should step up. And that's exactly what the church did for hundreds of years, is that the, the people known for building hospitals— and treating soldiers on the battlefield or or treating plague victims. It was the church. It wasn't always a Orthodox church, mm-hmm. but it was the church who was known for doing that. And it did that for hundreds of years. Yeah. I have a quote from Florence Nightingale in here just about how she was what impressed her about Christ, I'm paraphrasing, was how he would always move towards the sick. Yeah. You know, he would always move towards them. He wouldn't shy well, away. That's our or, example, right? right? Yeah. 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 I, mean, I think of the quarantine thing. <laughs> well, how does that apply today? Well, probably in a lot of ways, but um, buying groceries for older people, maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of things there. Um, but you think of the healthcare, the grip of the medical industry, kind of going back to the book a little bit, but the grip of the medical industry on people, it's a chokehold. So many doctors would love to just say, hey, you want a wellness, you know, come and, and we'll just do a little quick quick checkup, 20 bucks. Cash. Yeah. Now, now they can't even do that. Everything's driven so much by the insurance companies, mm-hmm. and a lot of doctors would do that. They would just be willing to And it to raises help. prices. Yes. They, it dramatically raises out-of-pocket prices. Yeah, that's yeah. why they're such a, a problem. So, I, Lecrae, if you, if you hear this, brother, I, I'm not... This is not, not the with way. You. I'm not with you. I understand what you're saying, and, and we're going to get to the other parts in a minute, but but you, you, we don't need any more statism. We don't need any more plunder and theft to try and get pills and stuff yeah. into the hands of people that's are they're already getting it. Right. So Now he gets into uh, systemic racism, and we should probably deal with the um, 
income disparity between white people and black people as well because it's 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 going to be connected right mm-hmm. um do, do you agree with systemic racism by the way yes okay it depends on who's defining it which is yeah. always yeah. the case yes, right yes. just a general yes i agree we, we agree on that there yeah, is a there is a thing called race systemic racism that is a type of res- racism that affects institutions and structures and systems um in a way that is distinct from just me personally having racist feelings about somebody else. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's important. It is every bit as real as ageism when you're dealing with the pro-life question or abortion abolitionism, where a regulationist bill that presupposes that abortion is healthcare is ageist and that it is prejudiced against the pre-born. And it doesn't mean that the pro-lifers who drafted that bill uh, are all thinking to one another, yeah, you know, we actually do think the pre-born are not actually human. They're not usually thinking that, but they are still supporting a bill that presupposes that, and that has form that is a form of ageism. So in the same way, there are laws and institutions and policies and power structures that are racist in that they affect people in a negative way that is unjust based on their ethnicity. That doesn't mean that the people behind those institutions or policies are personally racist, but the policies themselves are. Now, they obviously could be racist too, but there's that distinction. Yeah, that's a great example with ageism. I, that's helpful. I, I, so many people want to define systemic racism differently, but I think that's a very grounded, level-headed, biblically thinking Well, it's, it's dealing with it covenantally, with it. Where, where, where there's personal sins, but there's also covenantal sins. And that doesn't necessarily mean that every last person within the covenantal body is guilty of the personal sin. Correct. Like we would say, abortion. Ha- or America has the blood of millions of infants on its hands. Yes. Has have you? I mean, I I haven't had an abortion. Yeah. Well, this no, that's I mean, a great my, question. You know, but like so, but covenantally though, I'm still involved in this system. There's a blood guiltiness. And, Got it. You know, it's. I'm I'm glad you said that because that's a very I think very important point is that I have talked to church leaders before where they got in my face and said, I am not guilty. The church is not guilty. How dare you say that we are guilty of abortion? And they have no understanding of the confidential implications of a nation endorsing, funding, protecting mass murder. And they have no understanding of that whatsoever. And if you don't sort of the Schaeferian, Hey, every, um, Every abortion clinic should have a sign that says "Open by permission of the church." Right. It, it, so that's a connecting point. You should yeah. be able to and connect that. At that point in time, I would have to try to settle them down. Like, Look, I'm not <laughs> saying you went and paid for an abortion, right? <laughs> but you have to understand that there's this blood guiltiness, and I think systemic racism works in much the same way. And I should also say, and I think this has to be said, is that a lot of people talk about systemic racism in a way that doesn't properly apply covenant theology. Yeah. It doesn't properly right. apply these categories. And when they don't do this well, it causes a lot of confusion. And that's why there's a lot of, I would say, intelligent, well-meaning Christians out there absolutely condemning the idea of systemic racism, in part because it's not being discussed well. So, for example, a white cop kills a black man. Yeah. And the streets are on fire. Right. And then someone will say to you, well, John, don't you know blacks kill more blacks? Why aren't they doing that? Yeah. Well, again, there's a system in place. And we as Christian Reconstructionists can come at this and say, yeah, the modern police force is an executive power needs to be abolished. Sure. So if we want a judicially driven society, 
which is about justice yeah. and restitution and just weights and measures and all that, then we'll, that's what we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. But, but people just have this, they don't have a, it's hard for people to wrap their minds around that. Yeah. Well, they'll, they'll say, you can't say that cop was racist because you don't know his heart. And I, I can say with truthfulness that I, I agree. Uh, unless there's something in his life that is indicating racism, which sometimes there there is. Some, right? yeah, yeah. Um, I can't say that that specific cop was racist, but I can say that the laws and structures that created the situation in which that black man was murdered, that is a form of systemic racism. And it's not whether or not Familda Hyde was in George Floyd's body. For crying out loud, the man deserves a trial. Yeah. <laughs> so... So Amen. I don't need I don't you know I don't need the red herons of of oh well he was counterfeit money yada 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 no no right they they killed a guilt an innocent man well he was guilty yeah no he wasn't yet not in front right. of a judge and a jury yeah you're not allowed to execute even guilty men if you're a cop that's not your job right so even if he's the most guilty man ever that's not your job so Lecrae if you're listening I've said that twice as if he's going to but oh, of course he is we yeah. hear you on the systemic racism and we agree and we've talked about it in this show quite a yeah. quite a bit we'll, we'll have we an it. entire episode on it, I'm sure yeah yeah that's true I guess we haven't done a whole episode we did a BLM it, but, episode but yeah. yeah so it creates poverty no doubt, because statism never works. And there is a correlation between poverty and abortion. I would say it's even partially a causation. Yeah. And he says it creates poverty for women of color. So yeah. I, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Either. <laughs> and, and this is where I think some commentators have gotten it wrong, because I agree with a lot of people out there in the blogosphere and on Facebook and Twitter who are talking about this tweet, and they're rightly pointing out a lot of the same things we're pointing out about um, healthcare and about, hey, you know, actually let's treat abortion like murder. You know, I agree with a lot of those things, uh, but we, we need to realize that while we are called to institute justice according to the law word of God, we're also called to provide mercy. And it has to go together, and they're not the same thing. I think a lot of times they're they're very tightly woven in with one another, while we're actually providing mercy by being just. But in this case, we have to understand that abortion is going to be abolished whenever it is unthinkable, not just illegal. Correct. Therefore, we need to actually make it illegal, because that is part of the justice question, right? We need to actually... Treat abortion like murder and and how we view it and how we work against it and how we speak about it. But at the same time, we need to realize the sort of situations that make abortion even a question for people. And we need to address those situations faithfully. So that doesn't mean statism. That doesn't mean big governmental socialistic reparations. Doesn't mean any of those things. But if there's a wage gap between white people and black people, and there is... We need to ask why that is the case and try to figure out the root cause of that so generationally we can start to heal those disparities. Yeah, that's really good. I agree. So you're, it's, there's the statist option <laughs> or there's the dominion religion, uh, the Christian option, right? which believes in restitution and just weights and measures. And I mean, so much could be solved by just abolishing the nonsense of all these status, think of um, you know ICE and all these other uh, executive power thugs who go around ATF, FBI, I mean all of them, yeah. IRS, yeah, <laughs> IRS especially, FDA. Man, uh, let's abolish the IRS and let's watch all the acronyms. <laughs> They're all evil. <laughs> watch, but watch this stuff go away. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, it will. 
well, assuming the church is is going to um, repent of her status idolatry too. And we are assuming that long term. <laughs> yeah, maybe very so, long term. Yeah. I think you're dead on with regard to abortion as healthcare or abortion as murder. Um, I, I, uh, a friend of ours pointed out, you know, we don't talk like that if it was lynching. You know, we could reduce the number of lynchings if we. <laughs> and I and I understand what what you just said with that. Yeah. Let's deal with what it is. It's what what is abortion? (laughs) It's murder. This is a question that I think is sometimes helpful. Is that why, Lecrae, would you want to reduce abortions? Like, what is it about abortions that you actually want to reduce? Because if if it's murder to you, if it's something at the at the very least bad, like vaguely, (laughs) why? Why is it bad? By what standard? Because I've talked to a lot of pro-choice people, and they're like, "Well, I'm not actually pro-abortion. I would like to decrease it, but why?" If it's just a blob of tissue, why do you want to decrease it? What does it even matter? So if it is murder, then yes, we can be charitable towards one another, and we can show mercy to one another, and we can deal with things like racism. We can actually provide health care when needed, when health care is actually health care. <laughs> um, <laughs> that too. But, but we have to treat it like what it is. And there's not going to be any justice, and any of the mercy that we try to give people is going to be very hollow if there's not equal justice between the born and the preborn. I think of the guy in Florida who was arrested for feeding the homeless. Gosh, that's happened and, in Texas too. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> just like it's illegal to be charitable, <laughs> but that's where it's going because the state doesn't want competition, essentially. So there's there there. It ties into the abortion discussion. It, it ties into all the status, the status barnacles that just keep like grabbing every area of life. It's always that statism, and we've talked about it's it in wicked. every segment of this episode so far. <laughs> and um, it's the great idol of our day. I mean, it, it has its uh, ugly tentacles and everything. Um, anywho, we 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 love Lecrae. We're praying for Lecrae. Um, I like a lot of what he says, and then sometimes it's like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> Oof, you know, not good. It's so. the same thing with a lot of those guys. You know, Eric Mason's woke church stuff. A lot of it, so much. I just, I think he's thinking correctly. And then, yeah. Well, we need more money for public schools. No, that's not going to work. Oh, <laughs> one reason why this happens is because yeah. of public schools. I right? keep going back to that, um, but but I, I hear his heart on it. I think Lecrae, you, you need to fix some categories. Yeah. Which. Embrace the enemy, brother. Embrace the enemy, and you'll. It you'll really be able to is get those. the answer to this because I think a lot of people are out there seeking out these answers to these questions having to do with justice, but they don't have the roadmap. Yeah, <laughs> they're exactly. not looking at that roadmap. So it, today, uh, as we record this, it something's is the, going on. It is, a, <laughs> it is a. It is the third of November as we record this, <laughs> and we don't have the TV on, so we don't know exactly what's going on. Polls just closed in in uh, Virginia. A is minute that right? Ago. A yeah. minute ago. Yeah. So um, there's this thing going on in America. It's this big presidential election. You might have heard of it. Uh, <laughs> you may have seen something you, about. You may it. you may have heard something about this. <laughs> Apparently, you're supposed to go and vote. But we wanted to talk a couple of minutes about this. We've already discussed this before, where there's an entire episode on uh, Christians voting and ethics that we highly recommend you go look at. Uh, our good friend Jordan Wilson of Lamb's Rain wrote an entire article on why he, as a Christian Reconstructionist, is voting for Donald Trump. I wrote an entire article on the covenantal case against Donald Trump. And uh, we want to say on the 3rd, and this is going to release next Monday, so it's going to be uh, an entire week 
uh, almost a week, almost a week, so almost a week after the election. And God willing, we know who's president by that point. If we don't know who's president by that point, then there's been some problems. Something's going. On. Something's going. <laughs> Hanging on. chads again. Uh, but having said that, what are, said that, what are yeah. the things we need to say? Well, I said this to John earlier. Whoever wins, okay, whoever wins, Biden or well, maybe nobody wins, and we'll all celebrate. But whoever wins, the church still has a lot of repentance to do. The church still needs to repent. Yeah. And we're not saying that because we hate the church. We're saying it because we love the church. Repent for the statism. Repent for not advocating for justice in the streets. Um, I'm not saying, oh, let's be Marxist and yada, 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 a lot of these straw men. No, let's repent. Let's stop, humble ourselves before God, and reorient ourselves around the Great Commission. We're supposed to be teaching the nations. We're supposed to be discipling our communities. We're supposed to be teaching our counties what justice looks like. So we need we need to repent. And politically, politically the solution remains what? <laughs> Defying tyrants? Yeah. I was listening to a podcast from Free the States the other day, and um, Sam, I think, and James and T. Russell Hunter were talking about this question, and I thought they had a really good answer. Uh, if Joe Biden wins, he's obviously supposedly like radically hardcore pro-abortion. Um, and I should note that usually you're more radical and hardcore when you're running for president than when you're actually president, but we'll see. Um, and of course, we have Donald Trump, who claims to be the most pro-life president ever, who also has record-breaking abortion funding. So you have these two different options, but whoever wins, the answer on a local level is the same. We have to defy tyrants and abolish abortion as cities, as counties, as states. And that is going to require defying tyrants one way or the other. I know Oklahoma has spent the last few years trying to defy the Republican majority there, where their number one opponents every single time is the institutionalized Republican base, the institutionalized Republican leadership in Oklahoma are the people opposed to abortion abolitionism. It's insanity. Every single time. It's insanity. So it happens who, in Texas, too. Same thing. Yeah. And do you think that it's going to get easier on a federal level? It's not, you know, and so it's happened in Texas, happened in Oklahoma, and I'm sure it's going to happen in other places as we continue to push these uh, bills of abolition. I know there's been some work in Virginia, but you have to have an actual state congressman to put forward, and we don't have that yet. But um, we're continuing continuing to work on that. So the answer remains abolish abortion, defy tyrants. If it's a Republican tyrant, defy him. If he's a Democratic tyrant, defy him. Be in their ear, though, for crying out loud. Be in these. Be in their ear. They need to know and hear from you. And so don't like just acquiesce and oh, roll over and take it. No, right. like, yeah. I, I said this four years ago. I'd rather, I would rather a church that's on fire in the Holy Spirit during a Clinton administration than another four years of a compromised church during a Trump administration. Amen. And I, I, I can say the same thing. I, I, I don't. <laughs> we well, that's a different thing. We need the church needs to repent. The church needs to be on fire. Be in the ears of your politicians, and let's let's do the work of abolition. Let's do the work of of righteousness. And one plug, you reminded me, the Freedom County Project. Ah, uh, yes, freedomcountyproject.com. There's been a collective, a group of people all over the U.S. that have been working locally to tie in a lot of these issues. You can find it on the website. Make sure we post it on the screen. Yep, right here. But uh, freedomcountyproject.com. Make sure you do that. And 
two other things. One, the sky is not falling. The sky is not falling. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Yeah. We are post-millennial. We are abolitionists who rely upon the providence of God. That means the sky is not falling, that it's going to be okay. If Biden wins, it's going to be fine. If Trump wins, it's going to be fine. We still have a lot of work to do. And I'm not saying there's no possible negative effects. I'm not trying to dismiss all of that. But we need to remember that our faith is in Christ and Christ alone and not in whoever's president. Yeah. And and because we say that Jesus is king, that means something. It's not just a cute thing. It actually it, means something. It means it means something. But I'll, I'll say this, the worst thing, and again, we're speaking ahead of <laughs> something that we, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know yeah. what's going to happen tonight. But I will say this, man, for crying out loud, if Trump is elected and there's this collective sigh of relief from the church and we just put our feedback up on the ottoman and take a take a break the, no yeah we are storing up wrath for ourselves don't be so uh naive to think that oh well if he get, if he wins then everything's just going to be just fine and just cozy mm-hmm. no it's it's not we're going to store up wrath for ourselves right uh, and, and so don't do that if trump wins fight if biden wins fight they're not your friend got just fight for crying out loud. Stand up for something. Yeah. And this is not really the most important election ever. Are you sure? Because I keep being told I'm that it pretty is. sure it's not. <laughs> of course, eventually there might be the most important election ever. I'm not sure if we can even know that. Um, but it seems like the trend that every single election, there is people saying it's the most important election ever. Um, recently, our friend Joel McDermott put out an article that's it's actually an updated article from a couple years ago, uh, but it has a lot of the same information where it's going through all of these different situations where politicians and talking heads are, are talking about how it's the most important election ever. And they say that every single like two <laughs> years, sometimes every four years, and it gets really, really obnoxious. And we're not saying that the election has no significance. I think that'd be incorrect. Um, but we need to tone, tone down the hype, right? Tone down the sensationalism a little bit. It kind of goes back to what we were saying with the sky is not falling. We need to calm down. Uh, but Joel, he said something in this article, um, that really resonated with me. He says that if you can't confront the out of control debt spending in your own County, quit complaining about Washington and Joe Biden. He's not the problem. You are. You could fix your own socialism, at least some of it, but you don't. And that's why people like him are winning. Hmm. And that kind of goes back to what we were saying, is that if you're not active on a local level, if you're not doing anything to actually affect the abolition of abortion in your own community or your own state, if you're not uh, writing or uh, doing activism or engaging with your friends on social media or talking to your family or holding signs or handing out pamphlets, if you're not doing anything to affect the abolition of abortion, don't think that you're doing something super significant and important by voting once every four years. Yeah. Amen. I, I'm with you, brother. Well, we're going to wrap up, I think. That's it. Is that it? That's it. That's about it. <laughs> we'll, yeah. link, we'll link to those things, link to the new book, Health for All of Life. Appreciate the support on that. Some of the articles we mentioned and the websites and so on. Um, lots, of, lots of stuff. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next show. And uh, hopefully we'll have some some exciting stuff here. The holidays are approaching, so we yeah. have a, a lot of things going on there. But appreciate you all tuning in, and thank you for joining us. And find us on lambsrain.com slash CCR. And please do engage with us on social media. Yeah, Like, share, comment, debate. Yeah. It's all good. We, we really, really appreciate that yeah. more than you know. So I, we're thankful for, for all of the uh, support and, and your listening to us uh, talk about all this stuff. So yeah. it's until been fun. next time, we will see you then. Grace and peace. Thank you.